0: Once again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there connected with Redemption Hill. And if you're watching for the first time, we want to say a very special happy Mother's Day to you. And let's show all the moms some love out there. Just drop a comment. Talk about how amazing your mom is. Maybe tag her if you're watching on Facebook. We want the moms to feel the love today. And on that note, can I just talk about how amazing my wife is, Marcia Turley, What an amazing mom of four. Our daughters, Parker, Kesed, and Jordan, and our son Titus. She is an amazing mom, and I'm so thankful not only for her leadership in our home, but her leadership in our church. Like so many, she serves people countless hours behind the scenes, and I just want to say thank you to you, Marsha for this journey that we've been on over these past nine years of starting Redemption Hill. You've been an amazing partner, not only in life, but in this ministry of making Jesus known across greater Boston. And so my wife, she is amazing. And yes, she is breathtakingly beautiful. Can I get an amen out there? I'll never forget the first time we met it was in an Applebee's restaurant. I was in the back of the restaurant and, and my friend who they wanted to, to, to introduce us uh, said, hey, they're, they're walking in. And so I kind of get up on my tiptoes to see if I can kind of see you walking in. And uh, that's not because I'm short, but, but one of us is a little shorter. And so she's just kind of walking through the crowd. And then all of the sudden, my eyes meet her for the first time. And my heart, skipped about 25 beats, and I said to myself, self, don't blow it now, and then I prayed. I'm talking about getting down on my knees and said, God, I didn't get down on my knees, but, but in my heart, I was on my knees saying, God, I need you, and I need you now. Make me look more handsome and smarter and interesting than I really am. And it was a great night that we shared together, just starting to get to know one another. And and so you might imagine that Marcia's external beauty caught my attention, but it was so much more that captured my attention. It was her character and values It was her love for people and her love for God. This was a young woman that was running after the same things that I was running after in life. I was captivated by her internal beauty, the beauty inside, which led me to not only want to get to know her and begin a dating relationship, but eventually drop to one knee and ask her to marry me so that I could spend the rest of my life with this woman. Today I want us to think about this topic of the beauty inside and we see this from 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. I want to read these verses for us and then give you three marks of the beauty inside. This is what Peter writes. Likewise wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. These words call all moms and all women out there to chase after a life that displays the beauty inside. Chase after a life that displays the beauty inside. I want to share three marks of this beauty that Peter introduces us to in these words. Number one, the first mark that I want you to see of this beauty inside is honor in relationships honor in relationships. The the word honor is a relational word. It means to, to show esteem or respect for someone, to treat someone else as worthy of admiration. And the greatest honor that any mom or any woman or anyone will ever show in this life is honor to God. Peter makes this explicit in verse five when he talks about these holy women who hoped in God. And so what we see here is that, that everything that Peter calls women to and specifically wives in this section falls within the larger framework of their allegiance to and love for God. It's what Proverbs 31 verse 30 talks about when it says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's the kind of women we pray that God raises up within the life of our church and in the homes throughout Redemption Hill. But showing honor specifically here is not only first and foremost to God, but but Peter focuses attention on how wives should show honor to their husbands. And I want you to know, I want to be very transparent. I'm using this language of showing honor intentionally because the language that Peter uses in verse one and verse five can often be received as negative words when it comes to the relationship of wives and husbands. He says, be subject. And then he says, submit to your own husbands. And I know you're thinking, hey, Pastor Tanner, this is 2020. Like we're way beyond that. Men and women are equal. What on earth are you talking about that wives should submit to their husbands? Well, let me ask a few questions that you may be asking there and then give a few answers that I hope will clarify what Peter is and is not saying in these words. So we ask the question, are men and women equal in their essence, dignity, and worth before God? And the answer is yes, absolutely, without question. So then we ask, is Peter suggesting that all women submit to all men everywhere? And the answer is absolutely not. He's speaking specifically to wives submitting to the leadership of their husbands. So then the question becomes, well, does that mean that a wife should do anything and everything that their husband says to do? I mean, I don't think Marsha would love life if that were how this worked, but what what does Peter mean here? What he's saying is that wives should lovingly and will, willingly follow the leadership of their husband when his leadership aligns with the heart and the will of God. What we see here is that Peter is, is writing to wives, and he specifically speaks to wives who have unbelieving husbands. And what you need to know about the Greco-Roman world in the first century is that wives would follow the religion of their husbands. So clearly these women, these wives, had deviated from the the religion of their husbands because they chose to follow Jesus. And so Peter is not saying that that women should ever follow their husbands where they would lead them to a place that Jesus would not lead them. And you may be saying, well then, Tiana, if you're talking about the first century, then it's irrelevant for us in the 21st century. But that's only part of what Peter's saying here. Yes, he does speak to wives specifically who have unbelieving husbands, but the language of verse one shows us that he's speaking to all wives at all times in all cultures. And if you're not convinced from verse one, just read verse five. The example that he gives is the woman Sarah who is married to the man Abraham, who is certainly a believer in God. In fact, he is the father of all who have faith. So this is not just a a first century command. It has relevance for all cultures at all times. So then you're saying, well, Pastor Tanner, help me out. How do I process this? And I'd love to do that. The first encouragement I would give you wives is that, Jesus is your example. Jesus willingly submitted to the will of his father. And he shows that there is not an ounce of inferiority when it comes to following the leadership of another. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, he would point to the one who has humility and takes the posture of a servant is actually the one who is on the path to greatness. So that's the first encouragement. But then number two, not only the example of Jesus, but Peter also gives husbands a very high calling in verse seven when he begins by saying, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. The Greek literally translated out says, that, that they should relate to them according to knowledge and what he means by that is 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 that he he's saying wives should treat their uh, husbands should treat their wives in such a way that they are always doing so living according to the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his will for our lives so he says live according to knowledge showing honor to women as the weaker vessel and the What does it mean that a woman is a weaker vessel? It it can't be emotionally or spiritually, as the next line would point to, because both wives and husbands are partakers in the grace of life. It seems that Peter is probably pointing to just physiologically, generally speaking, men are, are bigger and stronger than women. Now, that's not always the case. I know some of you watching are like, Pastor Tanner, you're scrawny, and I could bench press more than you. Okay, so that that may be true, no problem. But Peter's just speaking in a general sense, and what he's doing is, is seeking to encourage the men to treat their wives with gentleness and respect. And then he wraps it up, and he says, look, this is so serious, men. This is so serious, husbands, that if you fail to do this, your prayers will fail they will not have the effect that you desire for them to have. And so the beautiful thing when, when, when husbands and wives both relate to one another in this way, they, they have this mutual love and service and honor that positions their marriage to absolutely thrive. So Peter first says, if you want to display that the beauty inside, number one, show honor in your relationships. But then number two, it's not just honor in relationships, but it's purity in life. Look back in verse two. He he says, "When, when they, when husbands see your respectful and pure conduct the the new international version of the bible translates it better when it when it reads when they see the purity and reverence of your lives your greatest impact moms mothers wives is when you live your life with a reverence before god that then influences all of your other relationships because you're living your life first and foremost before God and who he is. It's reverence for God that leads to a holy life. And it's a holy and a pure life that then shines forth this beauty that Peter talks about in verses three and four. Listen to them again. He says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, some people actually take these verses as a prohibition against women actually braiding their hair or wearing jewelry or wearing nice clothes, but that is not what Peter is saying here. Peter is simply holding up different values, and he's saying, hey, external beauty is valued by many in an inordinate way, and it does not compare to the inner beauty that God wants you to shine forth. And so he, he, he says that this inner beauty is seen in a gentle and quiet spirit. And, and Peter is not advocating for one personality type over another. What he's pointing to is the, hu- the humility, a humble attitude that shows respect for their husband. But it's not just a humble attitude. It's the 100,001 ways that wives and moms, let's celebrate moms today, engage in good works over the course of their lives. Who knows that moms do those 100,001 good deeds while 99% of their work goes unnoticed by the rest of the world. I know right now some of you are commenting, Pastor Tanner, that's right. No one knows all the things that I do, all the sacrifices that I make. Well, let me tell you something. Though 99.9% of the world may not see everything that you do, there is nothing you do that is behind the scenes to God. He sees it all. He sees how you love and care for your family. He sees the long hours you put in day by day to put food on the table. He sees the diapers you change at 3 a.m. He sees you bending a listening ear when all you wanted was five minutes just to relax by yourself after a long day. He sees the patience you display with your teenager when they cop an attitude. He sees you crushing it as the greatest homeschool teacher in Massachusetts. He sees the example you set for your children by serving others. He sees the prayers that you pray day by day by day. He sees every act of unconditional love that you extend to your family. God sees your inner beauty, and he says, that it is unfading, it will never die, and it is of great value. It's costly, it's very precious, it is a treasure in his sight. And so keep honoring God by honoring your relationships, keep displaying this beauty inside by the purity of your life. But then finally, show this beauty inside by the hope you display for tomorrow. To illustrate what Peter means, he points back to one of the heroes in the Bible, a woman named Sarah. Sarah was a woman of faith. And when Peter says she hoped in God in verse 5, what he means is that she trusted God to the point that she possessed great confidence in who he is, that he would see all of the times that she showed honor in her relationships, and all of the ways that she reflected his character by the purity of her life, and that she could have great expectation in his ability to fulfill every one of his promises. This kind of hope motivates present faithfulness to keep doing the good that verse six talks about, where it says, and you are her children if you do good, but then it doesn't stop there. It also says, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Listen. Again to all the moms out there, all the wives, all the women by implication of this godly woman Sarah. You are Sarah's children. This is what Peter says. You you, you bear her image. You you r- r- shine forth her beauty when you engage in a life of doing good and You can face whatever comes tomorrow. What a great word for this season that can be laden with anxiety and all of the trials and troubles that we're facing through this coronavirus pandemic. By saying that the children of Sarah are not frightened by anything that they face. What a powerful message this is. Your hope in God can make you Fearless. This is one thing that I love about my wife, Marcia. Yes, she is absolutely beautiful on the outside, and yes, She has a very sweet spirit and demeanor about her that maybe by the diminutive uh, stature, you might think that that she lacks this this courageous zeal and, and, and strength. But for anyone who knows my wife, she is a woman of strength. She shows fierce love day by day. She lives her life without fear because she hopes in God. And her hope in God not only sets an amazing example for our three daughters who we constantly remind, hey, you are beautiful on the outside, but you are more beautiful on the inside. But as she sets this example through her hope in God, she displays the truth that we find in Proverbs 31, verse 25, when it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, And she laughs at the time to come. Marsha can look out and listen, if you're a daughter of Sarah today and you're looking into the future, listen, you can smile and you can even laugh at the days to come because you have such a sure confidence in who God is and what he's up to in your life. I can testify as I've watched my wife over these past 13 years of marriage, that her hope in God makes her strong. It changes the way that she prays. It changes the way that she loves people. It changes the way she teaches and counsels. It changes the way that she serves and she sings all throughout the day in our home. I love it. And what she displays and, and what I hope that you are being called to today as you hear these words is that the the beauty inside will yield a life of great influence as you show honor in relationships, pursue purity in life, and hope in God for today and tomorrow. Listen, I think the greatest prayer that you can pray is God, by your spirit, make me a woman who displays this internal beauty so that my life will leave a legacy for generations to come. Listen, whether you have children and those are the generations or you influence children. Maybe you're single, but you're connected to our church community, and you're you're serving alongside of these families and kids, and you're, you're part of our family as, as, as a vital part of this church. Listen, all of you, no matter what you're, maybe you desire to be a mom one day, but listen, your godly character is shining through, and you will leave a legacy as a daughter of Sarah. Octavius Winslow put it simply, but put it so well when he was reflecting on his mom, when he simply said this, how powerful and deathless is the influence of a holy mother. I want to say once again, happy Mother's Day. And I want to pray that God would give you this kind of influence, this kind of beauty as you live your life before him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for every mom in our lives. We thank you for the countless sacrifices that they've made, most of which we have no clue how great they have loved us throughout our lives. And so, Father, it's our prayer as we think about even specific Moms, specific women in our lives, those that are part of Redemption Hill, God, we pray that you would give them this inner strength and inner beauty to honor you above everything else, everyone else, and that out of their love for you, that you would give them such influence that they would build a legacy of Christ-likeness that makes other people want to be like them as they are like Jesus. And so, Father, we pray your blessings over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we move into a final song of worship, we hope it's a special encouragement to the moms out there. This song is called The Blessing. And it comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 27. This is known as the Aaronic blessing. It's it's words that God wanted Aaron and the priest to speak over the people of Israel. And these are the words that are going to be sung over you. that, That that influence and that legacy would continue for generation after generation. Listen to these words from Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. That's our prayer for you today. Would God bless you by the favor of his face turned toward you to give you peace and a blessing as you move forward today and throughout this year? We ask this in Jesus' name.